Welcome to the Elite Foundations podcast, how to build an elite foundation physically and mentally to win at life. No theory, just real world results. Your hosts are Dr. Emil, ex-emergency doctor, entrepreneur, and health coach, and myself, Itamar, ex-Israeli special forces, jiu-jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. Welcome to today's episode, guys. Today, Emil will be talking to us about why perfection is the enemy. Emil, take it away. Itamar, thank you so much. So yes, today I'm going to be talking about perfectionism and why it gets in the way of health transformation. So this is a super common problem with entrepreneurs where we like to get pumped and fired up about something and then go from zero to 100. There's no in-between. And that zero to 100 mentality, that black and white mentality, that perfectionism only mentality, more often than not causes people to fail. So I'm going to go through the kind of thoughts and theory behind this. And then I'm going to give an example of Alex, who, when you look at what he did on the surface, it looks like he was so far from optimal, but it actually worked really, really effectively. And through intentional, uh, essentially a pl- application of the 80-20, we achieved incredible results while avoiding perfection. And this isn't just about uh, reductionism and, and not being perfect because we're lazy. My argument is actually that perfectionism takes away from the results and you've actually got an increased chance of failing because you are striving for perfectionism. And I'm sure Itamar has lots of thoughts about uh the psychology behind perfectionism. So please, please jump in. At yeah, any point. I'm also curious though, what, why, why are you withholding us the results? What, what happened with Alex? Like, give us a quick like overview of where he started, what ended up happening. Just a little bit, just a smidgen. Oh, for sure, for sure. So no, Alex, um, he lives a very unique lifestyle. He lives in Bali. He's a uh, Romanian. He is a bit of an influencer in Romania. He is an Amazon seller and also has a, a product, a course on teaching others how to sell on Amazon. So he's, he's well known within that space. And he does his webinars, Romanian time from Bali, which means that they end up at three in the morning, which means that he lives a very nocturnal, odd, weird lifestyle, sleeps in the day, parties, eats his food mainly in one sitting. And that then has an impact on training. Now, he's never been vastly overweight but with successful entrepreneurs it's not about being just okay people want to be next level and at that point he came to me he wanted to be shredded and through some tweaks and adjustments to this upside down lifestyle which he didn't want to compromise on within two months he basically had an amazing transformation he he started to put on muscle he uh got a six-pack and then i've touched base with him years later and he's still in this incredible shape. So just these minor adjustments to this vastly, uh, air quotes, suboptimal lifestyle have caused a change in trajectory to his whole life. And he's never had to optimize further. He's just cruising on this 80-20. So it's six pack through minor adjustments. That's the code name. Six pack through minor adjustments. <laughs> I mean, that, that's literally it. I mean, the, the whole of the health evolved uh, principle or method is based on this concept of let's identify the physiological blueprints, the minimum viable intervention to start causing progress. 
And once you're causing progress, you actually just need to keep progressing. You don't need to actually do anything else. And people don't like it because it feels like they're not doing anything. But actually, if you're observing that they're, they're making progress week on week, and actually you can't even make progress that, go on. Uh, th this is a very interesting point. Why do you think people struggle with the notion that it doesn't have to be a hardship or a struggle to keep making that progress? Because as soon as you brought that up, I was like, I can kind of, uh, I, I empathize with that as well. And I can understand why it's in others that it feels like if I'm not doing anything, it's not hard. Maybe I'm doing something correctly because I mean, like all gains are through discipline and blah, blah, blah. And we hear all these kind of things. So like, why do you think that is so challenging for people to just accept that maybe this doesn't have to be a struggle in order for you to succeed? I think basically through years of programming and indoctrination that this shit is hard and that you have to do dumb, crazy shit to achieve results. And then when we apply simple things and things start moving, you've just got this, this weight of programming pushing against it, being like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And I don't need people to believe me. I present hard data and I'm just like, well, look, you know, and then as long as they keep doing it, it keeps happening. So th does, does that make sense? It, it does. But I, I, this is my curiosity, obviously, but I'm trying to go deeper into this and really understand. Let's go like, deep. From your perspective, yeah, beyond the, what is it specifically? Is it a fear that if this keeps going easy, it means that I'm on the wrong trajectory and the data just hasn't caught on to it yet and I'm not willing to be rational about this? Like what goes on there that, gets them to the point of frustration where they try to do, like you said, stupid shit, even though it's working. Because people want to this, go faster. They're, they're obviously having an irrational behavior. Okay, so it's just impatience. 100%. And they're like, oh, if this is easy for me, if I make it harder, I can go even faster. But then yeah. what, what actually that creates is them breaking. So first off, it, you can't even go that much faster. Like there's a physiological limit to fat loss. And people, again, have been programmed and taught that you can lose five kilos in a week by doing dumb yeah, shit. It's, it's, and that's yeah, simply not okay. true. So when people are losing half a kilo a week, which is about the physiological norm, they think it's slow, where actually this is what we expect. And actually, when I look at any of my clients on average, you know, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. On average, it's half a kilo per week. Now, the limit, I would say, depending on body weight, is about a kilo per week, two pounds per week, consistently over weeks. And the, the most impressive transformation I've ever seen has been a kilo per week for 30 weeks consistently on average. So that's the limit. You can't go faster okay. than that. So by, you know, putting your foot down on the accelerator, you're just burning out the engine. You actually want the minimum effort to create the maximum result, And then you cruise because this is a long-term play. And if you run out of energy, if you gas, you will give up and fail. Yeah. Okay. So to kind of summarize, I think what you're saying here is that a lot of people have this mindset of like, if it's easy and it's working, why not more? Yeah. Because I like to challenge myself and yep. blah, blah, blah. And you're saying, well, because you can't have more. It doesn't work that way. Science yep. doesn't work that way. And you just end up doing the opposite. You end up burning yourself out, frying your systems, yep. frying your motivation. And then you actually will detract from what you're actually trying to achieve. Is that correct? It's entirely correct. But just to add to that, mm -hmm. people want to do more but they only have the energy to, to want to do more in the short term when they're motivated. This isn't a game yep. of motivation and short-term sprinting. They still need to sustain that level for the next week and the next month and the next six months. And I know they can't. 
So I just need to be like, look, I know you want to train seven days this week, but your history up until now has been zero training. So perhaps let's try three days per week. And if you can sustain that for a period of time, maybe we can consider doing some more. You know, it's just like modulating so I have a question about that regard. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think it's valid to tell them with a predefined agreement? Listen, if you really want to kick things off and you want to throw everything at this for the next, let's say, two to three weeks, work out seven times a week. But then we're going to taper it down back to two or three workouts a week just to have them recognize, listen, at the yep. get go, I get that you're super motivated and we're going to allow it. Yeah. But we're also going to both of us agree like adult that's going to wane. And yeah. so from three weeks from now, you're only going to go down to this. Is that something realistic for you to do with these guys? So this is a partnership. This is a discussion. If people insist on seven times a week, we will, we will facilitate it. I'll give them the blunt, honest truth, and then we'll facilitate it. And do you know what happens 95% of the time? Exactly what I kind of said would happen happens. Then they believe me. Then we have the buy-in. Then we continue the process. Okay, so what I'm asking is, is there a way to come to an agreement ahead of time about a certain time period? Yeah, for and sure. Does that give, yeah, okay. but does that give them, what I'm saying is more freedom to say, okay, I understand this is just a phase and for this phase we'll do this way and then we'll go to that way. What I'm saying is if they can sustain seven times a week and they love it and it fits into their lifestyle, amazing, keep going, actually keep going. What I'm saying happens is that they they choose, they come to me and say, look, actually, I can't do this. What, what was it that you were saying about three days a week? Shall we try that? If they okay, want- so, it, Yeah, I'm, I'm not asking the question correctly because what I'm really trying to get at is, is there value in them doing seven workouts a week for the first three weeks if they know that this is a temporary thing? Do you see value in that as like their coach and the expert in this field? Say, if you really want to do that for three weeks, go for it, but know that you're going to get burned down. So do it for three weeks, have fun. Well, you lose probably a bit more fat. You're getting a bit more muscle, but then we're going to go to this. Okay, sound great, great. Is that valuable or is it so not? I don't think there's a reason to, to, to say three weeks and then change it because if they can sustain it and they're enjoying it, we can continue with it. Obviously, they're not going to be training hell for leather seven days a week for two hours. It's going to be uh, built around them. But what I'm saying is well before that, people will often say, okay, this isn't working. I can't tra train mm. seven days a week. So it, it becomes a moot point. Okay. But the way I describe it, so the first thing is physiological base, uh, sorry, physiological blueprints. Let's just describe the minimum intervention just so we've got this. Let's call this base camp, like Everest base camp. And then from there, you can uh, travel, you can adventure into further optimization into seven days a week. But when the weather gets shit, you come back down to base camp, which is three days a week. And you never go below base camp, right? So this is what we want yeah. to establish. And people can, can slide the optimization slider as much as they want, seven days a week, hitting macros perfectly, blah, 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 all this stuff, but they can only ever come back to base camp. So it's important at first to establish base camp. Then from there, you can do it whatever you want, but just never go below base camp. So you can speed up and slow down progress as life happens, as, as motivation wanes and, and comes and goes, but never go below base camp. Because as long as you don't go below base camp, one, you'll continue to progress long enough to achieve results. And two, you will learn what it takes to sustain this long term. It's the kind of, how do you reach enlightenment? Chop wood, carry water. And once you're enlightened, what do you do? Chop wood, carry water. That's base camp. You can't go below base camp. That's the new identity. That's the minimum intervention to be a healthy adult. Okay. And usually base camp is like, let's say very basically understand your, your macros, eat your protein, eat your veg and move correctly. How you call it? Move. 
Exactly. So, so base camp will be the minimum balance of food intake and, and energy output exercise that will cause them to make progress. And that will be unique for the individual and it will be relatively easy. It would be the absolute minimum that, that is okay. required. Okay. All right. So let's, I, I took this a bit off the rails, but let's go back to perfectionism as the enemy. No, no, no. So this is, this is very, very relevant. This is very, very real. So it's good that you brought it up because this is exactly what everyone is thinking. And yeah, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. This is a partnership. But as I said, most of the time, it's something that where I've seen this happen many, many times. I've seen this, this in lots of different people. I'm open to it. Sometimes people do succeed, but most of the time life happens. This is why people have failed in the past because they've tried something extreme. Life has happened and then they've gone to zero. And when you keep going from 100 to zero, you kind of start to learn helplessness. And we've discussed this on previous podcasts and episodes. Yeah. You basically learn that when I try, I hit it hard and then I fail. Yep. And I'm saying, let's not, let's not fail. So, okay. So why does perfectionism cause people to fail? Because they, they either are going, they, they, because they have to train seven times a week. And if they can't train seven times a week, then there's no point. Well, that's at least the narrative they're telling themselves. If they can't eat perfectly clean, then there's no point. They're just going to eat. They're going to binge. If they can't sleep eight hours a night, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go drinking and sleep too. There's no gray in this equation. And I'm saying it's all gray. All of life is gray. So actually what we do with people on a practical sense is we, we do a, an assessment week or an insight week. And we say, right, paint a picture of your life for a week live. Tell us what you're eating. Tell us what exercise you do. Even if it's nothing, tell us what you're sleeping how many steps you're doing. Just just paint a picture of real life as much as possible because they know we're watching. Obviously, things change a little bit, but as much as possible. And then from here, we can start to make tweaks and adjustments. The smallest tweaks and adjustments. Again, in partnership, we're not going to be like, right, this is all shit. Start eating chicken and broccoli four times a day. Start training, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, what, what are the minimum tweaks we can make to what you're already doing and sometimes it doesn't, it's not anything that we need to change. They just need to keep going to achieve the results that you want. And then over time, we can slowly layer on change in partnership, see what's sticking, see what's working, see what isn't sticking, see what isn't working, and build this new identity just layer by layer, like layer of paint, layer of paint. Each layer on its own is almost invisible. But once you kind of step back after many layers, it becomes this masterpiece. So here's a big question. Yeah. Why are people, why do people struggle to accept this, that life is gray? And I'm asking, like, I obviously have my own opinions on this and why people are either like all in or all out. But from your perspective, what have you seen on this? Why do you feel that people struggle to say, if I can't eat clean, I'm just going to like go out and binge. Or if I haven't slept eight hours, I'm not going to go do my workout. What is your opinion on this? Uh, so marketing is a big part because that's what marketing sells. Social media uh, exacerbates that, polarizes. There's only black and white on social media. Um, and then gray is boring. Layering on paint over many, many weeks and months is boring. People don't no, like but I'm boring. saying on a, on a smaller version, and I think, again, maybe I'm not asking this in the right way. So why would somebody who has only slept six hours a night skip his workout? Because he says, oh, I'm not in perfect condition for it. Or if they weren't able to, to get, you know, like they were traveling, they weren't able to get the exact healthy meal that they wanted. So they're like, you know what? Let me just eat a double fried pizza, donut, whatever it may be. 
Like, why do people do that? And they're not willing to say, okay, this isn't the optimal, but this is still good. So I'm just going to go with what's good for now. Why do you, what do you see from that? So I think to a degree, people honestly believe if they can't be perfect, it won't work. And then also there's this, I think that's the big one. Yeah. That, that honestly is like, that's what I think is the biggest thing that they're afraid that are saying, okay, this isn't going to work anyway. So if it's not going to work anywhere, I might as well just be the laziest or have the most amount of fun or whatever you want to call it. And I think that's the problem where what's interesting yeah. here is that you're saying that what I hear from the side, you're really trying to dispel that with data. Yeah. Say, listen, it doesn't have to be perfect for you to actually get to base camp. And once you're at base camp, you keep yeah. getting results. Yeah. And I think what I see from the outside is maybe a lot of these guys just need to have the kind of emotional um, assurance that they're working with a pro like you or one of your guys that tells them like, no, 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 it, it does. Even if it's not perfect, look, this is still the data is still moving in the right way and I can map it out and show it to you. And then they can be at peace with it. Is that accurate? Is that what you see? Like what's actually yeah, causing yeah. them to buy in? Yeah. So everything is buy-in. The, the actual process physiologically here is relatively simple. We spend the vast majority of our resources. We have a behavior change psychologist on our team to create buy-in and rapport. Once we've got buy-in and rapport, people will do, will believe us and will do what they need to do to see the change. And then over time, we transfer that buy-in and rapport from us to themselves. So we don't necessarily want people to believe everything we say. We want people to believe their own eyes and their own experiences. That's then how they're going to do this long-term. Because we, we don't just want people to trust us because we're important and they're paying us. Initially, yes, that has to be the case. But eventually it's like, look, we said this would happen and then it happens. And you can see it in front of you. So now you know that it's happened. It's not because we said it. It's not because you read it on the internet. It's because you've experienced it. You know what works for you. Amazing. This is a gift. Take this away. This is incredible. Okay. The, this the is all thing, flowing together very well, like what I'm learning so far. But please go ahead. Amazing. Amazing. But, but the other thing that happens is, you know, people say they, they don't get enough sleep. Then there's this almost, it gives them an easy excuse to give up. Well, if it's not perfect, it's not going to work. But then what they say is they say, and I'll start on Monday. I'll start again on Monday. So then they give themselves this dopamine hit of, I've got a plan, right? Mm. And then they can procrastinate and fuck around for another week, build bad habits, go in the wrong direction, and then start again on Monday. They'll try perfect. They'll fail perfect because you can't achieve perfect. Then they'll procrastinate for another week until next January or until after their holiday or until they've sold their business or whatever the fuck. It's just ongoing procrastination forever. And it's it's not even neutral. It's harmful because you keep building bad habits. You keep learning this cycle of failure. We just need to keep people on track imperfectly to show them that it works. Yeah. Can I share a different perspective? Yeah. So what I've noticed a lot is, you know, like the whole term deep work. Entrepreneurs yep. love deep work. And what happens is that a lot of times like getting eight hours of sleep or having the exact perfect meal, that optimization turns into dependency. Yeah. And what happens is because it's an emotional dependency because they do deep work once, or let's say they get eight hours of sleep once, or they eat the right meal once and they feel great because of it. And they're able to produce something really great, produce a really great workout, produce a really great piece of content or like something in their business, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, emotionally, that's the standard where they would like to see themselves at. So the moment they don't, feel confident that they have all the surroundings to facilitate that the sleep the four hours of uninterrupted work 
emotionally they can't handle them see, seeing themselves as a lesser version, even though it will still advance them. Like you're saying, it will still advance them in their weight loss journey. It will still advance them to put an hour of scattered work than doing nothing at all in your business. But I think it's the emotional discrepancy of we can't take that ego hit. That maybe we can't produce in the same level as if everything was optimal. And that's what I'm saying. These things become a dependency. They're, instead of an optimization, they end up being a dependency. That's kind of what I see from my side a lot of times in the mindset realm. For, for sure. And you know what? I can relate to that personally about my, since I've become an entrepreneur, since I, I've ever done work, I've been trying to get that four hours of interrupted work preceded by eight hours of sleep and the perfect amount of caffeine. And I don't think I, I may have achieved it a handful of times in my life. And I still have that exact perfectionism, that exact ego. Yeah thing so i can relate yeah it's incredible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so to go back to um to health we've got this physiological blueprint which establishes base camp and then from there we can optimize and continue to make progress and then when life happens because life always happens we just move back to base camp and this changes the off plan on plan black and white uh, mindsets to life is plan, right? Life is al always going. You can't be off plan. You can't be off life. You're just always happening. So let's just visualize it like that. You're always on the side of the mountain. Just don't go below base camp. It's fine. That's the 80 20. Um, and then how do people deal with that when you say, I'm curious, how do a lot of these entrepreneurs who want to control everything and really be like the masters of everything? How do they accept that you tell them life is plan? You can't plan for everything. You have to accept that there's going to be all this and all that. You know, how, what? It, how do they deal with that? Because the, and the beauty of, of of entrepreneurs is that we're successful. We've we've been successful yeah. at business, which means we have a blueprint for success, and we know this. We've seen it in business, right? You can't like try and build a business, and then when it's going a bit shit, you give up because nothing will happen. So they can just they can just transfer those skills, that knowledge, that insight across. They just haven't done it. Just like I was saying, I know about health. I know about business to a degree. But when it comes to deep work, I fall apart, right? So transferring yeah. these skills across multiple domains is hard. And that's part of what we're doing. But when you have succeeded at something, you already have a framework for it. So I think it's actually okay once people realize. Okay. I'm going to stop interrupting you for a bit. All good. <laughs> All good. So, so just to touch on this optimization bit. So once people are at base camp, then we have this optimization, this option to optimize. And some people like the idea of optimizing. So they like to try it and play with it. And then when life happens, they go back to base camp. And to be honest, what usually happens is people accept, not accept, they enjoy the fact that they can actually get their results beyond what they thought they could achieve with this 80-20. And once they see it working, they're very happy there. And they're also very wary to add optimization because they can see that they don't need it. It just adds complication. It makes them less likely to stick to what's actually working. So a lot of people come to me saying, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to... And I'm like, amazing. We can get to that once you've figured out these basics. And what they then realize is that they don't need any of that. And they're very grateful to have this bandwidth freed and they're getting their results. So then what we do, we sneak in what we optimize for. And we know that this process takes time. So what we optimize for is to allow you to stick to it as long as possible. So we optimize for hunger, so you're not hungry. We optimize for energy levels, so you've got energy to function at a high level. And we optimize for enjoyment, so you enjoy the process. And once you've optimized for these things, 
this becomes very easy to stick to. One, long enough to hit your goal, and two, for the rest of your life, because this is what you need to do. You need to shift your identity for this to be a long-term fix. Yeah. Awesome. So in terms of Alex, I'm just gonna go through nutrition, exercise, and sleep, and basically say what we did, how we did it, and this will give a bit of a, an idea of how you guys might apply this to yourselves. So with, so let's start with food. For most people, what we recommend is data, tracking your intake, um, because this allows you to learn about the food you're eating and learn how it affects you, and then to find this kind of physiological blueprint. But the core principle here is to be in a calorie deficit to lose body fat. Now, tracking isn't the only way to do this, but you do need to be in a calorie deficit to lose body fat. So with Alex, he was basically fasting most of the day and then eating out once per day. And basically he would go to a restaurant, order everything on the menu and eat as much as he wanted. I'm not even joking. There's a photo of him with like 12 plates in front of him. So this was actually reasonably easy to establish base camp because as I said, he wasn't overweight. So there were a lot of good things in what he was doing. So he wanted muscle as well. So all we did is we added protein throughout the day. Throughout the day. Throughout the day, regular intervals, could be shakes, whatever. Shakes are actually the easiest. And people are like, is it healthy to have shakes all the time? It's like, well, they're just food. And before he wasn't having anything. So it's not as if we're replacing food with shakes. We're just adding some protein to the day. And then in the evening, all I said to him was, look, order all the food that you want. Just stop when you're full. So just be a little bit more present, be a little bit more aware. Once you're full, have the food taken away. And some, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people's hunger cues and fullness cues are just not present enough. But as I said, he was already at a good baseline. He wasn't over, hugely overweight. So by adding the protein, he was fuller by the time he got to his evening meal and he became more uh, attuned, just a little bit more present because I told him I planted the seeds in when he got full. I also said to him, look, when you eat in the evenings, focus on have a big salad, large amount of vegetables, lean protein, and just have some sparkling water. Just have, have plenty of fluids. And by shifting the focus from eating whatever he wanted to starting with these things and then eating whatever he wanted, again, we managed to reduce the calories without any restriction, without any tracking, without any iron bars around him. I just said, look, just flip the order that you're eating things. Don't, don't restrict yourself. Don't, you know, don't torture yourself. And that was enough. From a food point of view, that was enough. We didn't need to do anything else. And for me, <laughs> you're not paying me to, to add as complicated infrastructure around you. You're paying me for results. So if I can get the results with minimal intervention and they stick with you forever, amazing. I'll do that. I'm not going to let my ego get in the way and, and, you know, try and make this super yeah. complicated and make you track everything just because I feel like I'm giving value then. Less is more yeah. with this. Okay. So for the food, to summarize it quickly, it's just about trying to get yourself on a calorie deficit. An easy way to do that is to track it. But even if you don't want to do that, which it sounds like Alex didn't want to do that, you're just saying like the big guidelines just have more protein throughout the day. It'll help you grow more muscle mass. And when you go somewhere to eat, first eat a lot of veg, then eat some meat, have some sparkling water. And if you want anything on top of that, like do your thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I order a side salad okay. with everything in most restaurants, just extra. Just because you're a baller like that, just extra side salad all day. <laughs> all right. So how about the, the movement? 
So with the movement, Alex wanted muscle, which means weight training was a requirement. Again, in the past, he'd gotten into kind of these long 90 minute, five day a week workouts. And I was like, look, let's identify the 80, 20 exercises. Let's identify how many times a week you can realistically train. A lot of people say, yeah, I want to train six days a week. And I say, look, imagine the busiest week of your life. How many sessions could you get in in that scenario? Okay, two or three, amazing. Realistically, that's probably most weeks of their lives, right? So I say, okay, let's, let's aim for three sessions. Let's focus on these two core exercises. These will take you 30 minutes. If you have more time, there's another 15, 20 minutes of exercises, two or three more exercises that you can do. So when shit's going crazy, you do a short workout, 20, 30 minutes, two exercises, in, out, three times a week, boom. This is the 80, 20, but do it three times a week for the rest of your life. And now you've almost got this like stretch goal for when you have more time and whatever else. The biggest part of muscle gain is hitting it consistently for long enough, i.e. long-term, i.e. forever. And most people, again, they, they hit it hard and then they give up and do nothing for weeks and months. Then they hit it hard, they do nothing for weeks and months. So if we can reduce the friction, reduce the activation threshold for training consistently, you will see results. So that's what we did with, with him. He went from black and white to gray. And actually what happens is once you hit the gym, you're like, oh, it's only going to take me 20 minutes. Once you're there, you'll do the 45-minute hour session. So it's like a little bit of a trick, but also you can so do 20 clear, minutes. Go on. To clarify, you basically armed him with, um, let's call it a, a gym routine, where let's say he has an A day, a B day, and a C day. And Correct. A day, there's A1 if it's super short. And then you're like, okay, if you're, you've already done A1, but you feel like you want to do another 20 minutes, here's A1 plus this stuff. Correct. Is that Correct. Correct. So what are the two main exercises that you were speaking about? Deadlifts, I'm going to assume, maybe one. <laughs> so and th th there might be two main exercises per per workout. So they would be exactly as you okay. say. Things Not like, just like two, the holy grail. No, no, no. Just no, no, no. Okay. But honestly, it's things like uh, some sort of deadlift, some sort of squat, some sort of vertical push, so a shoulder press, some sort of horizontal push, so a uh, bench press, and uh, essentially some sort of pulling exercise again horizontal and vertical so a pull-up and a row and once you've got these exercises you've covered the vast majority of the body you pick two of those for each day you're hitting the most of the body over the week boom done that's the 80 20 and then you can think about accessories and everything else yeah so these are all just big compound movements no bicep curls or anything like that exactly if you want the bang for your buck you hit the compounds you hit the big exercises okay so i have a question about this because yeah. again, like how you're saying that the big three things are for basically health, um, energy, and enjoyment. Is that correct? Hunger, energy, and enjoyment are the optimizations okay. for food. So, oh, so it's not about movement, but would they, would they be the same around movement, like the enjoyment and the enjoyment being the big part of it? So, for for movement, you want you you need to do it consistently long term, and the ways to do that are to make it fun and to not get injured. Those are the two most important things. Then after that, yep. you can worry about progressing. You can worry about lifting more weight. You can worry about running faster, whatever it is. But progression only comes after enjoyment and not getting injured. Great, okay, that's, I'm good with that. Let's keep going. So that's exercise. Um, and then, I mean, the final one, which was very relevant to Alex was sleep. And he was doing his webinars at three in the morning. And I told him this wasn't optimal. And he said, fine. 
how can we make it more optimal? And instead of throwing my toys out the pram and kind of saying, well, you can't, you're going to die because Matthew Walker says that you're not sleeping properly. I was like, right, well, although you're not going to align your circadian rhythm to the sunlight in the area you are living, you can still create an environment and get eight hours of sleep. So go to bed after your webinar, whatever time, four or five, make sure your room is pitch black, make sure it is cold, make sure it is quiet and create this environment which is as close to night as possible and get your eight hours sleep. And to be fair to Alex, he was a total ninja at that. He got eight, nine hours sleep. He had nothing to do until the middle of the night. So he had the whole day to do whatever. I actually went to hang out with him a few times. I was jet lagged to, to hell because I was coming from the UK to Thailand or Bali. And we aligned, like our, our rhythms were aligned. I would wake up, you know, middle of the afternoon and that's when he would wake up. It was literally perfect. I didn't bother fixing my yeah. jet lag. Um, so that, that's what we did. That's what we did. Is it, is it perfect? No, you're still not aligned with your circadian rhythm, but is it better than 95, 99% of the, the population? Yes. And for his choices, it was great. He was doing really, really well. And I said, get some sunlight when you wake up. So just get some sunlight to kind of kickstart the, uh, uh, the, the, the circadian rhythm as much as you can. Yeah. And because he did it consistently, it worked. It, it worked. Like the, the biggest issue, and I learned this through doing night shifts, was doing three shifts on and then going back to, day, uh, to daylight and then another few late shifts or whatever, then back and blah, blah, blah. Whereas the evidence shows that people who just do night shifts all the time are actually better off. Still not perfect, but better off than people who chop and change. So actually Alex had it down pretty well. I did what you did in night shifts plus yeah. time zones. So I did that as an air marshal. Yeah. where you have one day flight, the next day you have a night flight, the next day you have a day flight, and oh, now you're in New York, now you're in Hong Kong. That was, man, I can't believe people did that into their 50s. I don't know how they managed that. Like, in my 20s, I was, I was half dead doing that. I don't know how people do it. Yeah, it, it's savage. It's totally, totally yeah. savage. It is. Um, so those are the three main things, exercise, food, and sleep. And then because we've been going on a bit, just to kind of wrap this up, often when people come to me, they start, they're talking about supplements and blood tests and all these other kind of optimizations. And we can include these, but we can't let them get in the way of the basics. So the way I pitch them is if these are zero friction, zero uh, extra bandwidth, but they can increase motivation to do the basics, then yes, we'll explore them. But beyond that, we don't want to go too far either of these rabbit holes because they distract from the basics. Now, and just a super quick example of this, getting a blood test, showing your cholesterol is high, will motivate you to stick to the food and exercise basics because when you retest in three or six months, you want to see it lower. In that case, this is useful to have. If you start doing these weird and wonderful tests where there's nothing that you can really do to change them, they're just going to add stress. They're just going to complicate your life for no real gain. So can I summarize kind of what I've learned today from my perspective, from Please. the layman perspective? Please. All right, so the six pack through Biden adjustment process, this is what it is. So most people think to themselves, okay, if this is working and it's easy, why don't I just do more and get a faster result? And basically what you're saying is because you can't. That's not how the body works. It's not how science works. And this is a lot of just stuff you've learned in your past, marketing, whatever it may be, but you have to acknowledge that that's just a fact. And I think that a lot of people, when they start working with you guys, 
they give themselves that permission because they say, I have somebody who is actual professional and he knows these things. So if he says it, I can have peace of mind that I'm not being lazy. I'm not just trying to give it my all, but I'm just doing things correctly so I can chill out. Is that correct up until here? Yeah, exactly. And then we transfer great. that that trust to themselves so they see it with their own eyes. Yeah, great. And so beyond that is the f three things you broke down, the food, movement, and sleep. So food, it, it just the bottom line is you have to be in a calorie deficit if you want to lose fat. One way to track that is data if you want to track that and really be on top of it. But also, if you're not going to do that, there's simple ways of just kind of making sure that you don't slip up. Giving yourself a good opportunity to be in the right position of that line is by when you go out, first have a lot of veg and meat and some sparkling water. And then if you want to have something after that, have fun. And also, yeah. if you want to increase muscle mass, have some protein shakes throughout the day. Yeah, Two, just to, I mean, just to high level summarize that protein, I mean, it doesn't have to be meats for the vegans and vegetarians out there. And in the day, it doesn't even have to be protein shakes. It can still be other sources of protein. But yeah, this is how we implemented it for Alex. Yeah. Okay. And on top of that movement, you were saying like, don't be fancy. Don't try to schedule like five gym workouts plus a yoga session plus a, a run or whatever it may be. Just say, what is the bare minimum, the base camp, as you call it? They say, this is always something that's super sustainable for me. And you're saying that's three movements, three workouts a week, which you have a short version of each workout, which is just on the two compound movements of like that body part. And you have a bit of a longer version. And you say to yourself, just go with the intent of doing the shorter version. Because even if you just do that, that's enough. And then if you want to do more, have at it. But just say to yourself, what are three workouts that I could do that will take me 20 to 30 minutes? Because everybody can do that three times a week. And that's base camp, correct? Exactly. So again, just as a higher level principle for this, like... If you don't have a history of training, start with something and then build up. Once you've done something for a number of weeks, then you can add stuff on. If adding stuff on breaks the whole system, go back to the previous level. So you can do more, but just don't go from zero to 100. Build up layers yeah. of paint, build up shades of gray. Yeah, and to kind of that's what I was going to say next. Summarize that you said the two main things are to A, be persistent in it, keep doing it. And in order to keep doing it, you have to avoid injuries. And enjoy if it. You, if you, yeah, and enjoy it. So that's the movement part. And the sleep environment is like, honestly, like beyond getting fancy and all that circadian rhythms, just find a way to sleep eight to nine hours a night. And that's by creating a good sleep environment where it's cold, where it's dark, all the basic things that we all know, not having your cell phone right in front of you. And when you wake up, try to get sunlight. And that's it. If you just do those basics, keep it simple, you can see a lot of success. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. can and get... A six pack through simple minor adjustments. Honestly, at home? If, if people do all of that, I, I did see that. I did see that. <laughs> if, if, if people do these things, honestly, you will achieve results beyond 90, 95, 98% of the population. Like, that's literally what and I do. The same, I was just going to say the same thing. Like, I don't remember the last time I got blood tests. Like, I have a six pack. I weigh over, I don't know what in pounds, I weigh over 94 kilos, but I have a six pack and I'm lean and I'm healthy and my body feels good just because I just do these simple things and I eat my protein and my vegetables. Yeah, that's the magic. That, I mean, the, the magic yeah. is, is boring as hell, but integrating it into your lifestyle and, and uh, identity, that's the, that's the hard part. Great, man. This is a great episode. Anything else to add to the people before we leave? Uh, no. So that's that's those are the basic principles. That's how we specifically applied it to Alex. If you want to try it for yourselves, 
be my guest by all means. Um, if you do need a little bit more of a hand, then reach out and I can guide you through the high level process of how you can apply this to yourself. But that's it for me for this week. Awesome. So next week I will do be doing an episode about something different about a case study and what doesn't work. There have been two clients of mine that this was very much in my early part of the coaching where they didn't get the results that I thought they could get. And because I wasn't able to assess things properly in the beginning and they lacked certain character traits. So we're going to be talking about what two character traits can really, really kill your success, even if you do everything else right. So see you guys in the next episode. Awesome stuff. Yes. Looking forward to that. Catch you guys next time.